I don't know if you've ever seen the, the programme, Have I Got News For You, uh, on television. It's, it's kind of a bit, it's meant to be comedy, but it gets quite, quite mean sometimes. They've had a, a bit of a field day with the, um, the expenses scandal, and they've had some politicians who very bravely or, or foolishly have kind of gone on and tried to justify how they could have a moat paid for by us. Um, and the, the hosts are kind of a, a bit mean. And, and, and it was kind of bad news for, for them, I think. It was bad news. But as Christians, I guess, the thing I want to try and excite us about today is that we have great news. And, and I guess if, if, if I was to read this properly, I'd say, have I got news for you? This, this life-changing message that we share and live and, and are excited by, that's, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And, and I guess, I don't know, sometimes like that, that news gets lost, doesn't it? We, we, we forget to tell people that we have great news. And yeah, it's, it's lovely when Jeff does a notice saying, yeah, another grandchild. You think, wow, a new life. And then kind of it's like... The week hits, the week hits. Yeah, great news. And so just for for a bit of fun, um, because it's always good to talk, as BT tell us, um, just with your neighbour next year, I've got a question, which is, what's the best news that you have ever received? Apart from, don't be holy, the gospel. Okay, so in church, well done, you get the right answer, it was Jesus. No, what's what's the best news that you've ever received? Could you just share with your neighbour, just for literally kind of a minute, um, what's the best news that you've ever received? And um, I do want you to share at this point. Um, and I, I know it's hard to think initially, but then yeah, I think I'm going to give you some clues. Um, engagements, children, promotions, that kind of thing. Yes? Have you ever received good news, any of you? You're worrying me now. Have a chat. 30 seconds. What's the best news you've ever received? Okay, okay. Okay. Now, I am aware that for some of you, um, life at the moment isn't full of good news. But um, what I love about when you share good news is that you start to relive it. Some of your faces then were priceless. Um, someone who will remain, remain unnamed in the middle was actually acting out how they received the good news. It was a, a beautiful thing. Uh, you can hear laughter uh, and joy. And, uh, and it was, it's really good to see. Good news is infectious. Yeah, just, just hearing someone saying, oh, yeah, I remember when, when this happened, or, you know, my son or daughter got engaged, or whatever it was. It's infectious to watch you guys sharing good news. You did it pretty easily as well. I mean, after about ten seconds, you kind of warmed into it, and, you know, it was actually quite hard to stop you. Um, good news is like that. And yet, why is it that the good news of Christianity is so hard sometimes to share? Because if that good news is, is as easy as turning to your neighbour and just reliving the moment and saying, this is how I felt and this is why it was good, um, I guess that, that's something you can be learning from. Some, some of the best news I've ever received, um, just, I won't ask you, but you can laugh at me later, uh, is this. The first one is that I was guaranteed a 2-1 for my degree, regardless of how my dissertation went. Now, that was great news because my tutor was, was, was sat down there in the office with me, I think trying to inspire me to push on to get a first. That was, he was intended, it wasn't to make me kind of sit back and do nothing. But I thought this was great news because it meant that the last six months of my university experience, I could get away with doing nothing. <laughs> I left the office with a spring in my step because I knew that my dissertation didn't matter. I was going to get a 2-1 and I was quite happy with that. And that was great news. Secondly, um, and these are going to come up on the screen above, um, when I was dating uh, Claire in my gap year, um, I think some of you have heard this before, um, I always used to try and impress her while doing my kind of 
instructing with the ropes. It's, it's very easy. You pull your sleeve up, get your muscles out, kind of the sun's glinting off you. And at one point I was doing a session where um, this young girl, who was about 14, was having to jump for a trapeze. Um, she had a rope on. And I was kind of giving Claire the eye as I was instructing, kind of. <laughs> get those muscles. That was me. I haven't changed much. And, um, and suddenly I heard this, boom! And I looked up because I hadn't been watching. And the girl had fallen and smacked into the pole and was lying there battered and bruised, kind of going, can I come down now? And the whole group went, oh. and I went, yeah, I meant to do that. No, I didn't. Let her down. And she went, I'm going to sue you. Now, for an outdoor pursuits instructor, those are not joking words. You can get sued very easily. However, the next day, the leader came out to me and said, Paddy, you know, she's not going to sue you. We've had a talk, but you should probably be a bit more careful. That was, that was great news, too. <laughs> and Claire still stayed with me for some reason. The last thing, and, and, and Helen will testify, I lose my wallet about nine times a week. Um, this last time was two weeks ago. And I'm not going to embarrass him, but he, I don't think he's here. That's good. Um, I lost my wallet, and, I, and normally I kind of find it after a couple of days, it turns up. But this time, I couldn't find my wallet anywhere, anywhere. I was looking everywhere for my wallet, at home. I was even looking at kind of in Claire's clothes, because she normally steals it, some, maybe not. Anyway, so I, I was looking and looking and looking, and, and I did a couple of youth sessions. where I'm, I'm looking around for my wallet, and, you know, people say, what are you doing? I'm looking for my wallet. And Matt Smith was very helpful looking for my wallet. He was looking with me and I was like, Matt, thank you. Uh, you know, keep looking. Two sessions with Matt Smith were looking for my wallet. A week and a half go by. I'm on the verge of cancelling my cards. Just, I'm distraught. I've got my, I've got my driving licence. I've got my cash card. My credit card. I've got all my, my receipts for my expenses where the deacons pull their hair out when I don't claim it. It was a nightmare. Anyway, this last Tuesday, just gone, at the end of the session, we were, I was looking around my wallet, and Matt, Matt walked up to me, and he goes, oh, Paddy, what are you doing? I was like, oh, hi, Matt, I'm looking for my wallet still. He goes, oh, you haven't found it yet. And I was like, no. He goes, oh, that's strange. Well, anyway, here's your old wallet back. And I went, I haven't got an old wallet, Matt. And he goes, oh, you see, I've, I've had this one for a couple of weeks. I thought it was your old one. <laughs> and I said... I haven't got an old wallet, Matt. And he goes, oh, all right, okay. Well, I hope you find your wallet. It's there. I was very pleased, though. I don't hold it against him. Very pleased. Good news is easy to share. I went home and said to Claire, my wallet is found. It once was lost, but now it's found. Good news is so easy to share. And as Christians, we have the best news, don't we? We have the best news that this life, with all its bumps and knocks, it throws your way. There is a God who is in control. More than that, we have the best news because when we face the horrible enemy that is death, with the power it holds over all of us, the great news is as Christians, we have nothing to fear because with God, even that is defeated. We have great news because as Christians, as we celebrate on Pentecost, it's not just about my own strength. When I become a Christian, God in his full power fills me and equips me and gifts me with good things. We have the best news. We have the best news because as Christians, 
in life, so many people feel lost and lack purpose. We have the best news because we know that we are built for a purpose. We have the best news because, as Christians, we follow in a massive line of history where God has been showing his fingerprints in history, and we are a part of that story. A story from the beginning of time to the end of time, we as Christians are part of it. And that's good news, yes? It's very good news. I don't know about you, it excites me how great that news is, and that's partly why I work for a church to try and tell people about it. And yet, when I do a sermon about evangelism, all week when I was writing this, people said, oh, what are you speaking on a Sunday? Most people, not everyone. And I said, oh, evangelism. And they went, oh, that's so hard. Oh, it's so hard to do evangelism. And it is, if you forget that evangelism means good news, because that's where kind of evangel comes from. And good news is easy to share. As long as you share it as good news, rather than, oh, I've really got to tell you, you know, You've had a boy. Like, doctors don't do that when you have a son. Actually, my doctor did. I think they're a bit worried about the way Zach looked. He was kind of like, you've got a boy? I was like, thanks. I was pleased. That was some of my best news ever. Let's read. Let's read this good news together. We're going to read it from Luke 15. And it's it's a parable that um, Jesus tells. um, And I'm going to pull some of the good news out of it. Um, This is Luke 15. And we're going to read the parable of the lost son. Uh, Luke 15, starting at verse 11. Um, And we're going to look at this together. It's on page 1049, if you've got a church Bible. Luke 15, verse 11. And just to to give you some context, the the Pharisees have been having a go at Jesus because he sits and eats with sinners. They're having a go at him, saying, why are you doing that? And he tells them this parable. Jesus continues, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your servant. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. We're going to stop there, but we are going to look at the second bit um, as well. Great news. Christianity is great news for the lost, especially. Christianity is great news for people who are lost. Jesus tells three kind of sets of stories to illustrate why Christianity is great news for the lost. The great news is that God is not interested in people who consider themselves 
great, who consider themselves awesome and consider themselves righteous, as the Pharisees did. The Pharisees thought that them and God were sorted because of the way they lived and the sort of lifestyle they had and the, the way they were at the temple and the way they prayed out loud with big booming, bright, blessed voices, if you ever watch any Hollywood films about Pharisees. The great news is that Jesus says that God is interested in people who have messed up, that God is interested in people who have strayed, that God is interested in people that have just been lost. You see that in the parable because Jesus tells firstly about the parable of a lost sheep at the beginning of Luke 15. Now this sheep wanders away from the flock. The flock's having a happy time and this sheep thinks, "Ah, I fancy a break. I'm going to walk over there by myself. It's own fault. It decides maybe the food's better over there. Maybe some of the other sheep are talking about it. Who knows? This sheep decides to stray away. And the shepherd has quite a lot of other sheep. 99, in fact. He could have just thought, well, that one did have a bit of a rebellious streak anyway. Maybe I'll just ignore it. You know, I'll leave it behind. But yet you read in this parable that the shepherd goes and seeks out this lost sheep. This sheep which kind of strayed away from home. And if we picture ourselves as the sheep as we are meant to do, as people that are very quick to think that the grass looks greener on the other side, and that God, although it used to be good in my life, actually, I can kind of do it my own way now. I'm going to just go my own way. I'm going to just, just stray away from God a bit more and a bit more. What the good news of Christianity is, is that God doesn't give up on people like that, which means that God doesn't give up on you and me. Because we are all like that, pretty much, aren't we? We quite like to go our own way and get our own way. Secondly, you get this parable of the coin. This, this coin that's just been missed. Now, actually, this woman here would have probably had this coin given to her as part of her kind of dowry. It showed that she was worth something. That was, that was what the coins normally were. That's why it was so precious. And it got lost. And this parable shows that, that there is nothing this woman wouldn't do to find the coin. She sweeps the house, she cleans all the stuff away, she lights the lamp, she, she does everything she can to find the coin. The good news of Christianity is, is that, that God has done everything that is possible to do to, to save you. There is nothing more now that God needs to do to make you right with him to find you. It's all been done at the cross, which we talk about over and over again until we somehow sadly lessen his power. God made a mark and said, my people that once were lost are found. What did Jesus say on the cross? It's finished. It's finished. People being lost from God, that's finished with. The power that sin has over people, that's finished with. The separation that, that leads sin to pull people away from God, it's finished with. All that remains to come back is God to come back to earth, Jesus to return again and say, these are my people, the sheep of my flock, the people I love. The actual work of bringing you back to God is is finished, it's done. And lastly, we get onto the sun. We get onto the sun. Now this sun had strayed pretty far. I know it's quite hot in here and kind of, you're probably thinking, oh man, I wonder what's for lunch. I am. It happens when you preach sometimes. Um, The son had strayed pretty far. Look at the list of his crimes. Okay, Look at the list of his crimes. In verse 12, he wishes his father dead. Verse 12, wishes his father dead. Says, Dad, you know when you die, I get all that stuff. Can I have the stuff now? Because actually I don't really really need you anymore, Dad. I'd, I'd rather have the cash. Wishes his father dead. 
He goes off and squanders his wealth in wild living. Now, what I love about the Bible, it's a very real book. Okay, I have three brothers, and we're very quick to point out each other's faults. Just in case you're not sure what wild living is, um, just, just have a little bit of a look at verse 30. The older brother is very quick to point out what wild living is. When he tells his dad, this is the, the son talking to the dad, but when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. The older son is very quick to point out what wild living means. The younger son would have come home, yeah, I've been a bit wild living. You always prostitutes. The, the, the older brother's a bit like that. You can't get much worse than that though, can you? That's, that's pretty bad, wild living. And he actually loses his entire inheritance. Everything that, that the father had given him, he's actually lost. That's, that's a pretty big way to fall. Imagine trying to go home to your dad and saying, oh dad, do you remember you gave me like kind of a third of your stuff? Yeah, well, it's gone. Um, it's, it's a pretty big way to fall. More than that, as a Jew, uh, he ends up working with pigs. That's verse 15. Uh, pigs being unclean animals in Judaism. Yeah, it's ceremonially unclean, you know, unable to come before God. He's fallen pretty far at this point. So far, in fact, that he kind of gets the idea that he might eat the food the pigs were eating. That, that's, that's not a pleasant picture. Um, I doubt they were kind of tucking into kind of Gordon Ramsay-style food, these, these pigs. It was... Pretty brutal. The son has strayed pretty far. And what's amazing about this parable is the reaction of the father to him. The son's got this entire speech prepared. I'm not worthy to be your son. And he's very sincere. Can I just be your servant? Just, just order me around. Let me become like one of your, your servants in your house. The good news of Christianity is this. For even for someone like that, the son who had strayed pretty far, the father brings him home. Just, just read that bit with me, because it's just so powerful. Verse 20, Luke 15, verse 20. So the son got up and went to his father. I'm not going to add anything to these words, but this is some of the most powerful words in, in, in the whole of the Bible. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Why? For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Christianity is great news because while the son, while we are still far off, God is looking for us. There is nothing that you could have done in your life that is unforgivable for God. The only unforgivable thing is to not ask forgiveness from God by not recognising who Jesus is. Because that's the way you get forgiven. Because Jesus takes all your sin and all the wrong stuff you do, and I know that you guys know this, but please don't underplay its importance. Because daily we mess up, don't we? Minute by minute we mess up. We think thoughts, we, 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 the way we talk. Don't underestimate the power of what Jesus has done because what it's saying is that while you were still far off, God the Father saw you and loved you and ran to you to bring you home. All the son had to do was realise his predicament. I'm no good. I'm lost. I need some help. And that's all he did. The father must have been looking for him because it says while he was a long way off. Yeah, God is looking for you this morning. If you're, not, if you're here and you've, you've heard the Christian message a lot, you, God loves you deeply and wants you back. Just, just respond to him. And you see the benefits of that, that the son is brought back right into the home right back into the home and, and given a robe and the fattened calf which was saved for special ceremonial occasions is, is, is given to him let's just keep reading though because for some reason 
we get to that point and we're good. Okay? We become Christians and the early Christian life is great. And, and yeah, life with God is pretty good. But over time, for some reason, and I get so cross at myself for this, we become too Christian-y. What I mean by that is that some attitudes develop in us that are, are, are not actually as Jesus wants us to have. We actually become more like Pharisees. I'm going to try and show you what this is. And this parable is told to the Pharisees to teach them about this. And, and I do hope that if we see ourselves in this, that we'd be challenged. Verse 25, just read with me. This is the last bit of our reading today. Verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he asked his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This parable is a massive challenge to people that have been found, because the elder son has stayed at home the whole time. He was the good boy. He did the work on the farm. He you know, stayed with his dad. They probably shared stories about the younger brother. And the older son was probably very quick to point out how the younger son was not there. I'm the older son. I'm over here. But something was going on in the older son that despite the fact that he was home, his heart was far from his father. And Jesus was saying to the Pharisees that don't think that you and God are actually that close. Because your hearts are so separate in the way you see other people that it shows that something isn't right. Yes, you may follow the rules. And yes, you may be regular with your giving. And yes, you may tie the tenth of all your stuff, including all your little kitchen herbs. But when you view people as sinners and you question me why I sit and eat with people who are lost, when God has got great news for the lost, and you make excuses for not doing it yourself, and you claim that you're the spiritual leaders of your people, and yet you block people from coming to God because of your rules and regulations, your heart is far from what God's heart is. Jesus is God come to earth. We should mirror him and in his attitudes. And the problem with Christians nowadays is that we are more known for the people we dislike because of their sin than for the fact that actually God has great news for sinners. If you ask anyone what they think of Christianity, hypocrites and liars... Because always they see stories of pastors and vicars going off and doing silly things. They, they hear them on the news shouting about how God hates homosexuals and God hates these people. And this is all wrong. And that's a worrying thing because we are becoming a bit like the Pharisees who are quick to label sinners but slow to eat with them. We are very quick to judge people, even in church, when we make mistakes. We're very, very quick to do that. And forget that all Christians are saved sinners. That God allows us to come to him because of his goodness. And I'm not saying that we become like sinners, but I'm saying that you like sinners. That's your challenge. And if you're feeling comfortable with me saying the word sinner a lot, because it's not very popular nowadays, the reason I'm saying it is because God has got great news for people like that. And as Christians, we are the ones who are meant to be telling them that you don't come to the Father by being good, but by being found. By being forgiven, by being loved. 
If you look at this, just, just really quickly with me, verse 29. The, the older son, the Pharisee, is no better than the son when he was away. The younger son has said to his father, I wish you were dead. Uh, I don't really like you, I don't want to be close to you. The older son says this to, to the father who represents God. But he asks his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Despite being home, his heart was far from his father. Saying to his father, I've slaved for you. Where's the joy in that? Where's the, the sense of love about being in relationship with the father? Where's the sense of, actually, yeah, yeah, I did stay with you, but it was because I loved you, rather than some kind of dull duty. The first way as Christians, I think, we become way too Christian-y is that we somehow think God owes us something. I've come to church. I've been regular. I've worked hard. You know, God has done so much for us. When we fail to tell people about it, it's often because we tell them about church and the stuff we're doing, rather than God and his goodness. We're very quick to kind of, you know, moan and complain and stuff. But the good news of Christianity is immense. It's absolutely immense. The found had hearts that were no better than the lost. They were, yeah, in church, but, but not hearts that had close to God. They didn't even have a heart for God or, or for the people that were lost. Look at verse 30. But when this son of yours, that's a brother talking about his brother. When this son of yours comes home, they had no heart. They didn't care for him. And this is a challenge. I'm not trying to tell you off, but yeah, I can't tell you off to evangelize. I'm going to try and finish by telling you the joy it is. But my challenge is that if we lose that love which we once maybe had, if we lose our love for God but also for other people, that we're going to go astray. If we're focused more on the kind of duty of being a Christian rather than what the mission is, which is that we're going to all the world tell people about God, then, then something's gone astray. Let's talk about the joy really quickly. Verse 31. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours, but we had to celebrate and be glad. The Christian life is meant to be a party. Yeah? Not just a party in heaven, but a party now. The worst parties I've ever been to had three people. It was one of my housemates at university who was a little bit odd, bless him. He was lovely, but a little bit odd. And he came up to me one day with a really nice invitation which he'd brought from the, the celebration shop like birthdays. Have you seen that one? It had my little ponies on it, which should have given me a clue. But still, I appreciate the effort. And he said, oh, buddy. And he'd been locked in his room for about a term and a half at this point. He hadn't kind of appeared much. He said, I'm going to have a party. And I really want you to come. I was like, oh, cool, that's nice. Yeah, I'll come to your party. Nice invitation, my little pony. And he goes, come to my party, you'll come, won't you? I was like, yeah, I'll come, I'll come. Thinking, yeah, I'll do it because I'm president of the Christian Union. I, I should go along. So I went to the party, I heard music. The door was shut, I heard loud music. I thought, this is going to be ace. Knocked on the door, he opens, oh, so glad you come, come in. I walked in the room and there were three of us. And I was half an hour late, because I'm always half an hour late, just generally in my life. Um, but also at parties, it's good to come in late. And um, I said to him, oh, is anyone else coming? He's like, nah, just the three of us. And there was the foreign student from Turkey who didn't speak English, who I think, I think he just found at the chapel and kind of brought, brought into his room. And he was like, ah, I don't know. And we had little cocktail sausages, and that was it. Two each. It was ace. We were on a budget with students. But, you know, it wasn't that bad. It was quite fun. We listened to ABBA for an hour and 47 minutes. Um, <laughs> and then we... Didn't, no, we didn't really talk, actually. We, we more just sat listening to Abba. Um, and that was the party. Anyway, the, the, the point, though, the point is just that actually a party is still fun. Even that party, I look back on kind of fondly. The invitation is still in my drawer as, as, a, as, a, as a kind of 
a keepsake, I guess, of university. But you see, the Christian life is an invitation to a party that starts now. Christianity isn't just about, guys, one day we get to go to heaven. The life now with God is a life of fullness of life. Jesus says, I've come to give you fullness of life. That's, that's, what, that's what the Christian life is about. Because when we face dark times, we have a God who is stronger than them. When we face death, we have a God who is stronger than them. When we come together, we have the fruit of the Spirit in us, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. As a church, if we all modelled that and mirrored that, this would be a party every single day of the week. Because if people are lost, they feel found. If they feel sad, they feel encouraged. There's people there who can pray with them and mourn with them and be joyful with them. The Christian life is a party. It is a party, but we turn it into a My Little Pony-style university party where we listen to Abba for one hour, 47 minutes, rather than the fullness of life and the fullness of joy it should be. The parable deliberately has a party when the sun is found. Because the sun was lost and is found, but most importantly, being found means life. The Father says it twice. Verse 24, the Son of mine was dead and is alive. At the end, verse 32, the Son of yours was lost and is found, was dead and is alive. Christianity is not just good news because it's nice. It's good news because it's life. Life. I was 28 on Thursday. That was my birthday. Thank you for all your cards, um, if I forgot to ask. Um, But I felt quite sad on my birthday because I remember my mum being 30. That was the first birthday I remembered my mum having. And as I'm approaching 30, I'm feeling very afraid that I am hitting my middle age crisis now. I walked around all day saying, I know some of you are older than me, don't, get, don't give me that look. I walked around all day saying to Claire, do you know what Claire, in the same amount of time it's taken me to get here, I'll be 56. And she was like, why are you saying that? But it's just about, I'm going to be 56 in 28 years' time. If my maths is right. I think that's right. Yeah, life, though, isn't about just rushing through towards the grave, is it? There's so much good news in life. The, life, the good news you shared at the start is the news we're meant to be sharing. Because most people want to feel purpose in their life. And most people want to feel kind of loved in their lives. And most people want to feel that there is something more to live for than just the grind of the daily living. And as Christians, we have that, don't we? And most of all, we have this thing that, that God actually would want to be with people like us and love people like us. You know, being found means life. That's why we need to start sharing the joy of what Christianity means. And I'd really encourage you, if, if you are afraid of kind of telling people straight away the gospel, the, you know, the whole big thing, the whole story, start with what's good about loving God. Just start small. Do, do what you can. And, and as I talk about the square mile right at the end, um, about what it's about to be for, um, I guess what, what the square mile is about is not adding something to your life. I'm not trying to get you to think, well, I'm going to have an hour a week of agilism time. No, that's not what it's about. The, the square mile is to challenge us as all to be Christians that are fully developed Christians. That aren't just good at one thing. Because lots of people say to me, oh, I'm, I'm not so good at evangelism, but I'm, I'm quite good at the hospitality thing. Yeah, that's really cool. And you've got two options. Pair up with someone in the church who is good at the evangelism thing and invite people to your house together. So you, you can kind of double team, tag team in. Yeah? And don't do that like once out, one hour a week. Do it spontaneously. If you've got friends coming around, invite some of your mates along who you know are pretty good at getting into conversations about God. Be, yeah, be, be strategic, but do it very naturally. Yeah? 
Because the news we have is so important. It's so important. So what are we going to do? Let's just finish with this. What are we going to do? Okay, do you think the elder son joined in the party? We don't know. At the end of the parable, the father's talking to him. Do we think the elder son went in and joined in? Who knows? Who knows? I love a good party. I'd have probably gone in. Yeah. If you do feel a bit flat in your faith, and you feel a bit kind of tired out, and the duty of it all is kind of weighing you down, and you feel a bit like, all I seem to do is give and not receive back, can I challenge you that one of the greatest ways you're going to feel joy is by sharing joy. It's infectious. The good news at the start was infectious. If you start telling people about the joy you found in God, and you see them maybe responding and asking questions, there is no more encouraging thing. In my youth ministry, I've had the pleasure of praying with people about becoming Christians. And that is such a deep pleasure. There is nothing else that sustains, not even Cornetto, which I love at the moment. They, they come and go and melt. But, but when I remember back to praying with a young lad in America called Josh, who was from a really tough home, and he became a Christian. Now, I had no part in that. All I did was do the prayer. Yeah, he'd come, and on the first day, decided to become a Christian, just by the first game, we played a game called Poison Ball. And yet somehow through that, he'd seen what God was about. And we talked about it, and he did, and we prayed. Yeah, the, the biggest thing is, is, is to get involved in this. This parable is an invitation, so two ways to finish. If you're like the young son, if you were lost, if you were like the sheep that's wandered away from God, used to be in church, and then for some reason you kind of lost it, God is interested in you. This is an invitation for you to be back in the fold. If you're a bit like the coin, you've never really been picked up by God, you've just kind of felt a bit lost and, and alone. This is an invitation today, good news, that, that God wants you in his family as part of his life. But most of all, if you are like the son who said to God, back off, I hate you, I don't want you anymore, and you've got to make mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake, this parable is an invitation to you to, to, to come in, to join the family. That's me telling you the good news of Jesus Christ. That, that's me evangelising in a way which hopefully doesn't sound too scary. You can tell people, this is, this is what God's about. He wants you as part of the family. If you're the elder son, if you've been a Christian for a long time, and for some reason you've lost that heart for people that don't yet know God, because you're busy, you're tired, whatever it is, this is a challenge and an invitation to, to join in the homecoming party. Because Jesus is coming back one day, and then the party will really begin. If you want to picture this life a bit like the kind of cloakroom of a big disco where you can hear the music and sometimes the door opens and you see little glimpses of the lights and you see people dancing to Abba. It's not going to be Abba, don't worry. Like, this life is a bit like that. You get a glimpse and a taste sometimes. But when Jesus returns, I promise you, your minds will not comprehend the sights you are going to see. And I would hate to think that I've not told people that that about that. I can invite people to a party. I can say, come on, this is the life I live. I'd encourage you, become like the other son, but join in. Join in the homecoming. And, and I know that it's scary, but we're talking about this on Pentecost, yeah? The Bible's full of verses that say, if you're afraid and you're, you're called to give an account, the Holy Spirit will give you words to say. And how do you know you're no good at evangelism if you never do it because you think you're no good at evangelism? Uh-huh. Yes. You don't know until you've tried, so you might as well try anyway. And anyway, the last thing I really want to try and encourage you with is that evangelism is just telling people good news. It's their choice if they accept it or not. If they give you grief for being a Christian, if they persecute you, the Bible says that you are blessed. If I tell someone about God and they say, no. It's sad, I'm not trying to underplay it, but the Bible calls me blessed because I'm persecuted. If I tell people the good news about God and they're kind of semi-interested and they think, yeah, this... This could be something that, that's going somewhere, but kind of never really go anywhere with it. The great news is God says, well done, you've told someone. You've stepped out of your comfort zone. You are blessed. 
Lastly, you tell someone about God. You can see where this is going, can't you? Yes? And they're excited too because you're excited when you tell them. You're like, you're, you're, you're like, yeah. And they say, yes. Oh, this is what I've been waiting for, an invitation to a party. And they become a Christian. And at the baptism, when they're getting baptised here and they're giving their testimony, and they mention your name and you sit there going, yeah, that's me. I did that. And you didn't really, but still, we're, we're all fallen. And then they get saved and they become part of the family. And when you get to heaven, God says, well, you had a small part in that. That's ace. I did it, but well done. Pat you on the head. You can't lose. You cannot lose. It's like a bet you can't lose. But better, because there's no money being betted. And betting's naughty. I went wrong there. But, the point is this, you cannot lose. Because if they say no, you're blessed. Because they persecute you. If they, if they say, yeah, kind of, that's cool, you're blessed. If, if they become a Christian, you're blessed as well. There is no way to fail with this. And I don't think I'm trying to launch out like troops. The greatest joy you'll ever know is to sit with someone and say, should we pray? Let's pray together. Let's repeat the words after me. God, I messed up. God, I've messed up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. I promise you. It's not that hard. If you, if you do it, that's good news. If you do it, that's good news. And as I said, everyone's different. Some of you are good with words and some of you are good with hospitality. But at some point, you've got to say the words. You've got to say the words. Because they're life-changing. The square mile is not about adding something to your life. It's about changing the way you live. Just think, how can I be intentional in the stuff I say? How can I make a difference? Because that's what the square mile is about. It's not about having to do another thing for church. It's about saying, in my faith, I want to be someone that shares the good news because it's changed my life. Should we pray? And then we'll sing our last song. Father God, I thank you that you are good news. That in this world where so many people uh, are looking for purpose and meaning, where so many people know, Lord, that, that, that they mess up even though they can't help it. I thank you that you are good news. I thank you, Father, that you forgive, that you love, that while we're still a long way off, you come and bring us home. I thank you, Father, that you, that you did everything that was needed. You sent Jesus down, your, your most precious son, to die in our place. Father, I thank you so much for the guys here who work so hard. Help us at the most, and most of all, to keep the joy in our heart, which it is to love you and to be loved by you and to share that naturally. Lord, I pray you just encourage us and excite us, I pray this week. Give us opportunities, I pray, where we can tell people about you. And Lord, this, this path that we're invited to is one which is not uh, limited, it's, it's, it's eternal. And Father, I thank you that the Bible talks about days where tears are wiped away by you where we have just joy in all measure. Lord, I pray you bring us, bring to mind now, in all of us, the people that you want us to speak to this week. Just put that there now, Father, as we seek to, to be led by you, whether it's a family member, a close friend. Lord, as we're praying now, bring to mind the people that, that we are going to go and talk to. And if there are people here today, Lord, who are excited about the possibility of, of what it means to follow you, just move them, I pray, to, to come and talk to us at the end. So to speak to you direct, to ask you to become their father again. In Jesus' name.